Are we really live? What's up, y'all? How are you doing today? Welcome to episode three of the Kicking Knowledge Podcast. My name is Izai. It's Izai W on Instagram, and the, the boy E Weezy. It's a triple E W E Z I E on Instagram. Ian Williams. And welcome to Kicking Knowledge. Hey. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's wild loud. Yeah, as you guys know, we always strive to bring you some of the best, most informative information and some of the greatest and coolest people we can bring up in the industry that you guys probably don't get a, a chance to connect with on a regular basis. And today, I don't think it, uh, you know, gets any better. I mean, well, you know, every day, I think we try to start to tip the top ourselves a little bit. And I think you guys are going to take us there. But I'd like to introduce you to uh, the good man to my right. And you want to take hey, right hey this is this is this is my brother right here, man. I've known this guy since uh, I was ten years old. Uh, he was the loud black guy in the front of the church. Then uh, uh, he probably still is the loud black guy in front of the church. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you know had to had the, the honor to work with him uh, through my career at Nike. Uh, you know the E. Scott Morris. And then I think you guys will definitely know the man after him, um, you know, one for kick and roll and also just for being a great altruistic being on this planet Earth and everything, Mr. George Keaton. Yes! So yeah, we kind of uh, messed him up a little bit. We, we sent him their questions and look at a little bit, uh, a little little late on this and everything. So do bear with them if they have to pause a little bit and it, take a little bit on the questions. This is just gonna be organic. Yeah, we gonna yeah, get, I was supposed to be. Yeah, we'll get real organic and honest with you. Um, today's show, we're actually gonna be talking about the consumer relationship to design and everything. And I think it's a really good topic to cover off with where the world is right now. Just and also where we're looking at with some of the new products that are out there from both sides, all sides. Um, and just with how the consumers are actually consuming things these days and stuff like that. So, I mean, first, you know, let's just let's just flat out ask you guys, what do you do? George, we'll start with you first. Yes. Yeah, so go, go deep on us. Don't 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 leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> I like basketball. Yeah. Let's just pretend, let's pretend like <laughs> nobody knows who you are. Okay. Well, I like basketball. There we go. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm the uh, president of the Kill Colon Cancer Foundation. There you go. And CEO of the Kick and Roll Classic and, and all the events that we do there. I'm also co-founder of uh, Koisky Media, which is uh, an agency slash uh, entertainment blog. Uh, we, we educate and entertain. Like entertainment. 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 So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we, uh, those are my two babies, in a sense. Kill Color Cancer and Koisky Media. Koisky content is king. Beautiful. Please believe it, y'all. Content for king. All right. Yeah. I don't know how you're gonna. I don't know how you're gonna back to you know double, get after that even. No, I told you. Um, I keep it. I keep it pretty basic. Well, now we want you to go. Oh, no, I'll, I'll go okay. to the okay. pool. Okay. Okay. So uh, my name is E. Scott Morris. Um, I've been a footwear designer for probably about 26 years now. I've been in the industry. I've had the privilege to work for uh, Reebok. I've worked for Nike. I worked for Under Armour, and now uh, I do contract work with a company over in China called Anta. Uh, I have worked for Hasbro. I've designed toys. I'm actually an action figure. He made himself into a toy. Uh, they made me into a toy uh, called Bulletproof. I'm out there. If you want to get me on eBay, I'm about six or seven bucks. I'm cheap. 
Day of school from kindergarten to the 12th grade, so that's 5,282 days. Okay, so yeah, consistency is king in that particular regard. Fear drove it for me, it's another story we'll talk yeah, about another time. But uh, probably the thing that I love the most is uh, I love that God gave me an amazing talent, which is to create product and ideas and share those products and ideas with people. Um, I am 51 years old, uh, I grew up in North Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I was also uh, in the Marine Corps, so I served eight years, Sergeant of Marines, uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, I am a decorated veteran. Uh, I've seen the worst of things, only to come home to experience the best of things. So here we are. Got tears a little bit. Oh, <laughs> and Ian said I had the perfect face for radio. Thank no, you. I did not say that, but it was just all. Yes. <laughs> so messy. <messenger. laughs> hey, it's family. That's why. Hey, uh, that's so, why. so, so, when did you when did you realize that that design that really mattered? And I'm actually excited for this because you got like right. a designer and then somebody on the on the opposite right. side who's receiving all of this right. information. And, and writing about it and, and giving that information out to people and telling us like why it should be important and why it's important to us, you know? And, and again, I want you to, people who are listening and looking and who don't know or do know or whatever, like the bigger reason why I think it's important to have George Williams is because he has a lot of people who actually go out and play in some of your grails. Oh yeah. These things that you guys are considered like, you know, ultimate heat. Some of you cover these things as, with, with intrinsic values that would never allow you to actually wear them. but. He actually takes a product that you actually, you know, him and the guys around mm -hmm. take a product that actually comes out and puts it to its functional use. So mm -hmm. I think it's a, we have a really good yeah. conversation mm -hmm. I think we can have today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Ian asked the question, and the question was, when did I know that design had value? Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did I know that? Uh, believe it or not, it actually started really early as, as a young kid. Um, I used to always want certain toys that weren't there. I wanted the, I wanted the Mach 5. There was no Mach 5, if you know Speed Racer. Um, there was no Battle of the Planets. Shout out to Speed Racer. Right, shout out to Speed Racer. <laughs> the G button. Always the G. Hit the G when you don't know what to do. Funny note, but just here in Portland, people used to think that the BBC sweatshirt was Speed, Speed Racer. Racer. Yes, they didn't know. <laughs> but, shout out to Portland. For right, shout out to him. There you go. Um, as a result, what that did to me is it made me become a connoisseur of wanting to understand and learn how something worked. It's like, can you create the thing? So I would create the thing with the hopes that someday there must be a place where I can use these talents. I don't know where, but I, there has to be a place, right? At 15, I, I told my mom, mom, I think I'm gonna work for Nike. She said, who's Nike? <clears throat> I said, it's this company that makes these sneakers that you allow me to buy. And she said, okay, well, if you feel that strongly about it, well, then you can do that then. You know, she said, well, you know, I, you're gonna have to work hard. Little did I realize that by the time I got into the industry, right, that is the footwear industry, after the toy industry, I realized getting to a company like Reebok, at that time they had a two slot, but people wanted to, to have things that they could wrap their arms around, right? Sneakers were getting a notoriety that at that time, you know, growing up in the 80s, because I did grow up in the 80s, I'm an older guy, I'm 51. So I remember when Top Tens and, you know, Deodoras and Fila's the first time. Shout out to the original. 
going hard too. <laughs> yes. And you know, you're wearing all kinds of Boy, with blogs and all that stuff. Right. right. Look at the street corner. You right. Right. Like, you kind of you kind of knew who had what, right? Um, Puma suede, right? Fat laces. All these things meant something, and so. This is just so crazy because literally you and Clark reference the exact same yeah, shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What happened was if you knew yeah, the horsepower, yeah. right, horsepower behind those shoes, if that's that, what's next? You start asking, if that's there now, what's there tomorrow? Right? Not knowing you're going to be a part of it. So by the time I got to where I was going, my brain was already in the mode of I'm going to have to create something that so when it happens, people go to it. They may not know it's me, but if they go to it, it's enough, right? I had a uh, design director at Reebok, and he said, why are you so intense about these things? And I remember saying to him, there is no Super Bowl for sneakers. It doesn't exist. But if it was a Super Bowl, I would want to try to play to get in it every single year. I said, if I lost, I'm looking the next year to get back. I said, so every shot, I want a shot at greatness every single time. It didn't matter if it was $65. It didn't matter if it was $120. I just want a shot to go into the bowl. Wow, it's, it's amazing listening to this part right now, and you can definitely, because this literally is the last hey. one that you're working together, but like, it's proven point that you held that ethos to the last product you touched at Nike, which literally was in that zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in a category where y'all kicking my ass because y'all made a better take <laughs> Yeah, we were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout yes. out to the one takes down. Cole made all that money. That's right. Boom. That's okay. Right. Cole, there you go. Oh, OG, OG Core Performance. There you go. Hey, OG, that's right. OG Core Performance. <laughs> but it was still people who had worked there for like 15 years who right. they were like, I don't need the fame. Right. I don't need the, the nothing. Like, let me just make a good right. shoe and go home and be with my kids. We were just like curtain tappers, like in old Johnny Carson. We just tapped the curtain. You don't see us. But you know some good stuff's going to happen. You're going to be entertained. I just, I just showed up and they were like, sit down, young boy. I was like, all right, cool. Let's sit down real quick. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, George, yeah. Yeah, so uh, when I first realized design matters, um, I mean, a lot of people know I was a former editor-in-chief of NiceKicks.com, so um, there became like a switch. Like, everyone went for, you know, a person's shoes with a name on it. Oh, I want the, whatever, Sean Kemp, Shaq, whatever. But I guess people started to realize that, that designers like E. Scott were putting, like, the brands were doing a great job of telling the story of the designer. And so when, when people started to realize, hey, there's more that goes into this instead of just tagging a name on it, mm. um, that's when people started to really pay attention to not just, you know, a name of a shoe or what it looks like. Like, how does it perform? Like, what, what goes into the shoe? Um, how is it created? Why is it like this? Like, you were talking about the Falcon on... No, the Big Five. Yeah, yeah. So those little, I guess, details and... and um, just everything that, that went into making the shoe, people started to appreciate that even more. Um, because I, I think the sneaker culture community is, is totally different from any culture community out there. Like people actually care, um, kind of like the car community, car, car culture as well, people care about the details. And so um, it just, it was like a switch. I, and I think around, you know, 2000, seven, eight, when I was working, you know, at Nice Kicks, like, you began to, to see a big switch in, in that consumers actually cared, like, about every single detail of a shoe. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was it for me. What would you say are some of your favorite silhouettes and brands? Wow. 
Favorite silhouettes and brands. <clears throat> well, go back as far as sure, you can. Sure, okay. George yeah. okay. like you're ready. Okay, yeah. so I, I will say this. And, and it, it might surprise some people, it might not. Don't know. One of my all time favorite silhouettes, if you black it out, and even if you turn up the lights and look at it close, the original Air Moa for me is one of the most special wow. shoes on the planet. Shout out to ACG. Okay, wow. and for this one reason, you could do any and everything in it. You know, you say, just the, you know, the old men in black, you get one shoe for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's the first last shoe you'll ever have. I was like, great, I'll take it. <laughs> Give me the black one, I'm good, right? That for me was special. The actual uh, Puma GV, Guillermo Vilas, oh, wow. right? Yeah. That's that, big. Okay, yeah. that's, that oh, shoe, GV, that's, Puma I'm, GV. I'm, I'm look it up. Okay? Um, the silhouette of that shoe has a stance that I think is sturdy and low. It has a low vent, but it has a beautiful shape. Oh, yeah, right? I like that shoe. And what I think is lovely about that shoe, it doesn't matter whether you have chicken ankles, frog ankles, or elephant ankles, you look great in that shoe, okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter, you look great in that shoe. Yeah, there was a little time in LA, like when I moved out to LA, I'd say like 2000, 2001, two maybe. Mostros were big for mm -hmm. one side, GVs were huge. GVs in California, obviously, sure. were huge for LA. And like, I literally wore GVs and Air Force Ones because of the same color block and strategy yeah. and everything. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah, right. absolutely. Um, when I, when I think about what I consider to be the style quotient, um, I love, it's a tie between top 10 and what is the shell top, right? Um, when you see a top 10, a top 10 kind of looks like a fast tank, right? Mm -hmm. And it does, it looks like a really fast tank, like a little mini Abrams tank. It's beautiful, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, it's a little yeah, exactly, it's perfect. And then if you think about when you see, you know, that, that classic shell top, you know, it doesn't sit too high, it sits low to the ground, but it really is the complement to whatever the person has on, right? It complements everything. It's like, and their clothing concept is finished, right? So that's a quick one for me. Brand, doesn't have to be footwear, but brand in general, I mean, I mean you know, we're touching on all different types of design. And everything. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to be footwear, oh, okay. but it's a footwear brand that you want to Okay. Well, I'll, if I if I can't, George, you want George to hit that? Well, you, just you can finish it. If um, okay. Well, okay. So we're talking about universal design. Absolutely love what Infinity was able to do as a car company over the last decade. Um, I've owned their product. In my opinion, the M35 from 2006 was their Mach 5. You know, it wasn't necessarily the top of the line of their cars. But the car not only performed, but the silhouette was like sleek when it needed to be, beefy and it tough. Like, it was like muscly. Like it was like exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was it was yeah. sleek and brutish at the same time. Yeah. Right? You know, I can go ahead and switch out of uh, after two seconds. Look up the Mach Five. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, and then I think there are a couple other things. Uh, the classic, what we know as the uh, the, the flight pilot jacket. Right? I remember Averex in the 90s, what they were doing with some of those beautiful, simple pilot jackets, you know, the slight zipper, you know, you see the light green one, you see the like, dark navy one. Those jackets, you could be a nobody, had that jacket on and look like you had a jet waiting outside. You know what I mean? You could, you could just be anybody. You got a jet? Yeah, it's right outside. Oh, okay, great. Can I get a run? You know, so those kinds of things to me meant a lot, right? Love that. Um, somebody, you might laugh when I say this, but you'll, you'll see where I'm going. I was really big on the Rubbermaid giant picture that you made the Kool-Aid. You know, they, they have this, this super jumbo one that you pop the top on top yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why I say this is because if you made the Kool-Aid right, 
it was something about how it sat in that plastic volume of goodness for like a day or two. <laughs> and you came home thirsty, you could crush at will. It's like, I could keep pouring and I can keep drinking. You know what? I've, I've heard him say this before. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> he knows. He knows. For the design community and those out there in product management, you got to check out what he's talking about. He's literally talking about things of endearing value. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the and primary things you need to do, you need to eat and drink. You got you to <laughs> live. You need, you need liquid. So my thing is, give me something that I can have the volume of goodness that I need to get my whatever I need. Water, juice, whatever. Something about that big carafe, man, is just perfect. And I just love it. Probably the, the last thing, I mean, it might not be much, but shout out to these guys. The New Era 5950. Yeah. What a joyous. Wow. What a joyous. Shout out to the homie Ducky. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you something. Yeah, the joy's on the top. When you put that hat on, even if you sat the bench, you felt like you weren't. Yeah. You know what I mean? You it's felt like, official. It's like heavy. It's like when you got to the league and you got the heavy. That's right. Like, you got the real one. Like, man, this thing kind of hurt a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, right. You earned it. You know, I mean, to the point where you know if you bought it a little tight, you're going to have a red line on top of your forehead. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it made it official. It made you feel real. And so, those are just a few things for me that are like exciting. That was mine. So, shoe wise, I would have to say, um, and you touched on some of the you know, classics, but kind of even going further up, uh, the, the Kobe 5 mm. um, that Eric Avar created. Because um, when you, like, going back to the Kobe 4, that was when, when photos first came out of that, I was like, this is a basketball shoe. It's a low top. Who's yeah. playing in this? You're going to twist your ankle, tear your Achilles, whatever. And so um, looking at that shoe, I remember my first opinion was like, I'm, I'm not playing in the low top basketball shoe. Um, but then played in it. Kobe 5 came out. And Kobe 5 to me, that is the best basketball shoe of all time. I'm going to agree a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 the, the it, design wise, performance wise, style wise, it's just a, a sleek, just really good performance basketball shoe. It, it does everything for you. And so um, that's the one I, I would say is, you know, shoe wise. And then, you know, another brand that I say has developed over time is. Is actually um, Jeep. Mm. Um, my, I remember my first. Yeah, I remember my. That was my first car. It was like an '89 Jeep Cherokee, like mm. the red one. And like, if you see like all the styles of Jeeps, like Cherokee, Wrangler, mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. like that, they've evolved so much over the years. Like it doesn't even look nowhere near the same right now. And so, uh, yeah, those two for sure. So funny you brought up the Kobe Five. I mean, talk more of a little quick. Sidebar with y'all, but I know at the swoosh it was this whole thing of well, you got to teach the consumer that the low top will help to strengthen the ankle. Mm -hmm. George, you're shaking your head. That wasn't a thought that was out there, though, right? That wasn't translated. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, I didn't no. Yeah. I, like I said, I didn't believe in the shoe at right. all. It's a low top. Who plays a low top basketball shoe at that time? Yeah. So now you go to the gym, everyone's playing Steve Nash. Right. 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 Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, I, and I remember hearing something about, um, what was it? I think it was like, I think it was Gilbert Arenas or something like that. Uh, they said like uh, when they were growing up, their whoever was training them, I think it was his dad, um, wanted them to have strong ankles, so they put them in running shoes and they're hooping in running shoes, mm -hmm. and it really just like makes your body work the way your body's supposed to work. Right. Um, and now, and that's how I think that's how he was able to just play in whatever mm -hmm. when he got toward the, the the end of his career, where he was just playing in like mm -hmm. yeah, the most ridiculous dumbness, right. like the easy. <laughs> that's on he's right. right his foot right now that he don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Shout out to shout out to them. But but uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, like that that thing it really did revolutionize. Actually, my favorite is the Kobe Four commercial, mm-hmm. the broke ankles one, mm-hmm. where they had the like. <laughs> Uh, this commercials be one that make you feel so. Yeah. That made me feel like it was okay. Ah, yeah. That and the fact that Kobe, you know, he you know, loves soccer, and, mm-hmm. and then it was like, oh yeah, soccer players are, and they're doing the same motions, and then like also tennis. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I, Kobe I, five. And I think it just like it just went up from there because you, you even look at like shout out to Norris over there. His favorite is the Kobe six, and mm-hmm. that was aesthetically just. Another level, like with the, mm-hmm. you know, the snake skin and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That shoe performed well as well. So. I remember seeing a product, a, a sample around campus mm-hmm. and being like, yo, what is this? Because for right. us, we're like, it's just Kira. Mm-hmm. Just put Kira on top of this thing. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't have any functionality or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, actually, you realize that the shoe is amazing. Right. It's not yeah. just Kira and everything. It's just, you know. The Kieran piece is another another show for you. Product right. materials piece right there. <laughs> but this, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. If, if I can just jump in okay. really fast, this is a perfect example of you say product value. What where where do you stand? When do you know it? If you live in the the space where the product's being created, you take so much of the amazing for granted. You just think, oh, it's just that material. It's just coming from here. But if you're the consumer and you don't know the origins of any of this stuff, and then you're told what it is, you're like, holy smokes, I had no idea it was that, right? Then you begin to realize, am I just being a snob because I'm not really paying attention? Or should I actually be amazed and start asking more questions in this space that no one is in, except me and other people creating, and going, am I missing something? Should I be using this, right? Why are you using that, right? and get more of it to more people. But instead, a lot of times, you know, our snobbery and stupidity tell us, oh, well, he's using it, I'm not gonna use it. Yeah. You know, when really it should be the other way. So, so what, I mean, you kind of jumped into yeah. the next question. What, what helps you understand what the consumer, how do you know what the consumer wants? How do you know what the consumer desires? I kind of want you to talk a little bit about one specific football cleat. Oh, yeah. and, and then before we get in, and just to, on, on your side, George, it was like with a product and everything, like, you know, nice cakes and or keep roll or just in general, you know. So if, if we're talking about consumers and we're talking about what they want, I mean, everybody's heard the word product insight, consumer insight, right? Everyone's heard of that. But I really think it's the conversation and the dialogue that goes with that word. Because if you don't get the dialogue from, from real people every day, you don't come across the nugget, right? There's always what we're looking for. Designer, I know I'm looking for it. Uh, I remember uh, there's a guy, uh, I wanna say, he lives in DC, and his name's Charles, I've known Charles for a long time. He made this statement about Nike basketball in 2001. He said, if basketball is a marriage, Nike is the wedding band. This is what he said. Wow. Okay, when he said that, my jaw hit the ground, like boom. Oh, what are you saying to me? He goes, I'm married to the sport, so I'm married to this brand, right? Until further notice, so I'm married. So I was blown back, right? You go a little bit further, you asked me, you said, Ian asked me about, you know, tell me about a specific cleat. So it just so happens, yes, I'm the guy who designed Michael Vick's product from Vick 1 up to Vick 5 and beyond. But what I learned talking with him, he was more interested in what had happened in the footwear universe to the greats. How did MJ get that? How did Air Force One get that way? How did this get that way? 
if I'm gonna be on equal par or near that, I need to know how they got that way. So he was basically trusting me to take his insights. He would say things like, well, it's gotta be rough, but it's gotta be sleek. You know what I mean? It's got it's gotta be fast looking, but it's gotta be like kind of like tough. And so you're thinking, okay, I got these words. What do these words mean exactly? Right? And so again, uh, George was kind enough today. We had been working, he did a photo shoot with some of the product. And he got to see in my sketchbook how I had the opposites. Oh boy. Right? To me, these sketchbooks, y'all, yeah, I swear. That's a whole other episode on uh, classic styles of design and like if y'all could just really understand, like, yeah, anyway. But yeah. in the sketchbook, George figured out what I was attempting to do. And as a result, it does come down to looking at the insights and making a decision to commit to an idea, right? The hardest thing in the world is commit to commit to something, right? Because you say, what if it doesn't work? Can't think that way. Have to think about what if it does work. Yeah, and I would say from a consumer standpoint, the, the best thing is storytelling. Uh, like he Scott just said, had I known or had consumers in general known the those sketchbooks and seen like all the stuff that went into that, I think the shoe would have been even that much bigger. Because you, you get to understand like what the blood, sweat and tears that went inside or went into uh, creating that, that design. Um, and I know like, you know, there's tons of designers that do like just amazing work, but you don't get to see that, right? You don't get to see, you, you see the finished, the final product and you're like, oh, that's cool or uh, that's all right. But you don't know everything that went into that. And so, so yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because I know from a product manager side and everything, I know if that beautiful story were to be able to be told, I'd often get a roadblock, at least in North America, by sales saying, man, please, the account doesn't want all that extra stuff in the box. They just want the shoes. Hmm. Germany, however, when hmm. I did boots and stuff, they were like, no, more hang tags, please. Tell us exactly what this technology is and why it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think it's a difference. And I mean, honestly, you're the American consumer and everything. I mean, you wanted it. Yeah. But I think you have some people who are just trying to streamline the process. And unfortunately, in the streamlining of the process, they take out some of the beauty of the, and yeah. the art of it. It's, it's a fine line because you don't, you don't want to bore people with just a bunch of tech, you know, wordage and stuff like that. But just those raw stories that, that you know, you were telling me earlier, just, just raw stories about, like, what took place instead of, you know, we, we've seen, you know, today you have, like, oh, this is this so-and-so colorway. It stands for the basketball player's favorite, he likes Rice Krispie treats or something. And so you're kind of like, ah, whatever. But going into that design process of like, hey, when I was doing this, we met here, this is what happened. I came with 10 sketchbooks, he had 30 shoes. This is what he wanted it to be inspired by. And you start to visualize all of that. Cause I saw, you know, in his sketches, I saw an Arachi 2K4 on the table. And I was like, man, I didn't even think that that shoe had anything to do with the Vic. But then you look at it and you're like, that shoe has a lot of crazy. I'm looking across the way, I'm like, uh. Well, no, it's bigger than that, though. I mean, he just knows because, like, when you go to the design briefing and everything, like, there might be a box of shoes that you don't catch. But there's all these itty bitty nuances. I mean, like, literally, somebody might literally put an Air Force One in the box just because they want to show you that they want to put the star detail from the midsole on the shoe. And then you have, like, the Morse code thing. Like, 
That, that stuff you don't even uh, the Air Jordan Six tongue like mm-hmm. that stuff you don't even like. You just it's, it's uh, intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. It becomes an intrinsic value for you. You just right. find out there's some reason why you like mm-hmm. the tongue. Yeah, and you appreciate it more by knowing those stories. So yes, uh, that, that that means a lot, a great deal to a consumer. Absolutely. Actually, I have a quick question. E, how did you how did you relay this information when you had a sketch ready for my Mike? Yeah, please tell it. Right. Yeah. Well, what ended up happening is, if anybody has seen the sketchbooks, the sketchbook goes in, in what I call a, in thirds. The first third is the conceptual thought of the next thing. Jim's for you designers out there. Okay, first third. Jim. Because when you get to the actual client, if it's the athlete or whoever is in question, you're going to present what you found and say, here's where I'm at today but I need you now to take me over the next two-thirds. So now he's coming along for the journey, right? Or the athlete in question comes along for the journey. We go down to the, to the two-thirds, right? Any insights, ideas, concepts he brought out, he talked about Jordan 6. He talked about these different things. Hey, e, have you seen this? I go get the picture. Is that the one? That's the one. Is there a way to bring that out? We can do that. Let me go take a look, right? So. Uh, if I can interject, yeah. again, designers listening, this is actually the way you gain that trust of the client that you're right. working with. You uh, yes. I mean, if, if you're working with any athlete, anyone, I don't care what the age is, if you're working or company. with... Or company. Little company, big company. One client, and it's the only client you have, and nobody knows who they are, but that's your client. Do yourself the honor. Take a, a little thing of post-it notes and a, and a Sharpie. Do a lot of post-it notes. A lot of post-it notes, okay? And whatever they say that you feel is an insight, you write it on that post-it note and you stick it in the actual portfolio. And if you have to, put it up on your wall and start saying, they said this, this means something. And if those things are there, guess what? When you show it to them, they may never say the exact words you want to hear, which is, that's exactly what I wanted. But they'll hold it, touch it, put it on, look at it, stare at it, turn it on every side and be like, wow. Which means you heard exactly what I said. Yes, I heard you very clear. So it, it does, it's something about that, that last third when you make it to the actual shoe and you say, this is what it's gonna be. Yeah. And you finish the set because now there's no more sketches, now it's shoes. Yep. It's patterns and it's pieces and it's adjustments and you know modifications. If you get that, then you say, you know, we're almost home. The real test is, does it match the individual wearing it? Is it an extension of who they are? Yeah. You got it. You got it. Right. You know, it, did you read these questions? Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of creepy. Bro, it, it, yeah, because the next one is actually just about like, how do you tap into the feelings? There you go. Well, I just told you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we can put that in the yeah, yeah, George. George. Yeah. But how do you tap into feelings when you're creating a new program or, you know, I mean, it's Where is it? Yeah, I think. Videos, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you just have to, like, kind of like East Scott said, like, listening. Listening is so, like, underrated. Just listening to whoever the client, mm-hmm. the, the whoever you're, you're working with, because once you hear, you know, whatever they're saying and, and actually put it into, you know, fruition, like, you, you can make things that, that they like or that they. Uh, understand more, but listening is 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 so underrated. I agree. Would you? Here's something I know. It's it's kind of tough to 
completely get it because you want to you want to meet the client's expectations and stuff like that. Correct. But at times, is it always a good thing to translate the desire from the athlete or the client into a tangible design or product iteration? Uh, I would say better than fifty percent, yes, but better than thirty percent, no. Meaning sometimes they don't know. So what you have to do is you have to take them somewhere. Vic three was a take them somewhere. He didn't know that the strap was going to be the thing that was going to hurl at him. He had no clue that's what I was going to bring him. And I kept saying, I think I got an idea, Mike, I think you'll like it. When I presented the concept of the strap, I shared the picture with George, and George's kind of laughing because he's looking at the faces of people at the table. And they all have a posture like, oh my gosh, you guys aren't going to make that, are you? Like, you're going to make that shoe with that crazy strap? And I kept saying to Mike, Mike, look, you need to be locked down. You need to protect yourself. If you want to go faster, you got to be belted in. You can't be just flailing out there. You got to get locked in. Locked out, you in or out. And he had this look like, oh man, I'm in. And he reaches out for my hand like, all right, we're going to dap it up. It's official. And I just remember his agent and the people in the back like, wow, he just signed off on that. What are we going to do? To me, it was, now I'm committed. You know what I mean? It was like, I got him to believe it. Now I have to commit. I cannot get off this. Well, can you, can you tell a little bit of backstory about the strap, though? Because like, that's kind of important, like... Yes. Yeah. And so, again, you know, with Mike Vick, he was always a guy who loved to, you know, the style portion of yeah. things. And he loved his straps to be loose, not buckled, <laughs> just kind of floating out there, right? So Vic won. He was notorious. He'd have that strap just flail. You know, and he'd play a couple downs that way, right? Got the Vic too. I was like, okay, I'm going to stop you because I'm going to make it so that when you lace the actual Achilles notch pad, pulls up. So now you ain't got no strap to mess with. The strap is laced. Right, so you're locked in. Now I was like, okay, we get to the third one, and he's, what is he gonna do? He sees this strap. I see him once he gets his first samples, pre-gaming, those straps are wide open, dude. It looks like a jump rope. It looks like a jump rope off his foot. I'm like, I text his friend, dude, can you please tell him to put those straps together? That's insane, he can't do that. Right, and it's funny, I got text that he already knows, he's gonna strap it up. Okay, cool. Right, but what I, what I learned was, he was bringing the relaxed feel to it. He was like, I'm bringing the urban progressive psychology to something that's very formal and technical on the field. So he made it have that surprise, I'm way cooler than you thought, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I had to learn that it, his interpretation of the thing I'm working on for him is even different from what I thought it would be for him. It's beyond what I thought. He's gonna, he's gonna wear it different.